welcome. Welcome everybody here on our Newburgh campus, our West Campus and Facebook Live. Welcome and Happy New Year. Hard to believe that this one's just about to end and a new one's about to begin, isn't it? I've already started undecorating. Another Christmas has gone by, that shimmering Christmas wrap, you know, and listen, I'm all about the paper too. Like my wife will not like buy wrapping paper without like sending me pictures of it. Does this meet the standard? Well, you know what? Now it's just a pile of garbage underneath a tree. The beautiful tree and decorations have become the headache of taking them down and storing them. And unless you live in Kentucky, it's time to take out the outside lights. <clears throat> If you live in Kentucky, you legally have until July, and by then, who really cares? <laughs> Guys, 2017 will soon be a memory for all of us. Let me pray, and let's dig into that. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. God, we are a church of a people that care. We care about you. We care about our neighbors. We care about people in other lands. We just want the gospel to rage. We want to lead people to Jesus. We want people to experience the joy of forgiveness, the joy of peace, the joy of salvation, the joy of knowing a savior. Father, it's nothing that I have to say. It's what you have to say. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and speak through me and empower me, that you would open our ears to hear God, open my mouth to speak. We love you and invite you in Christ's name. Amen. I wonder if I just asked you to close your eyes today. If I just said, hey, close your eyes, and I said this one word. I said the word remember. Just remember, not, maybe not just yesterday, but suppose your mind wandered wherever you wanted it to wander. I wonder what memory would surface. I, <clears throat> I did this about two weeks ago in my office, and my mind again took me back to a Christmas Eve when I stayed up all night putting together Monsters, Inc. door factory for my son. I am not designed to follow directions and put something together. That is not me. But I, I, I'm trying to put this thing together. It took me all night. But I remember my son Josh's face the next morning when he was, you know, when he came out and he saw it there. And I remember he and Katie kind of digging under the Christmas tree, just bringing out treasure after treasure. I wonder if I told you to close your eyes and just said the word memory, what would happen? At Crossroads, we're all about following the light, following after Christ. But I wonder if sometimes our memories kind of anchor us and hinder us and, and keeping, uh, keep us from being able to do that. Following Christ often means dealing with memories of the past. And memories can be a wonderful thing, can't they? I mean, they hold great power, the power to make us laugh, the power to make us cry. They can put us in a great mood or the wrong memory can send us to our rooms in utter despair. Memories can fill us with fondness and put a smile on our faces, remembering past time with family and friends, or they can cripple us with regret. Sometimes memories whisper to us about our failures with a, a kind of a mixture of some truth and some lie and some self-infliction, and, and it, it's a perfect cocktail for a depression. Christmas was less than a week ago, or less than a few a week ago in, in 2017, and a few hours will all be a memory. But I wonder what memories 2017 holds for you. Were there some great victories? Maybe you got the job. Maybe you got the house. Maybe you graduated. Maybe you had amazing time with friends and family. You, you had some great victories. Can, can you remember all of that? Perhaps there's some great losses. You lost the job. Maybe there was a death or a divorce or failure, terrible moments and fights with friends and family. The question would be then, do you want to remember it all? 
Are there things that you did that you want to make sure you do again? You, you made some great choices. Are, are there things that you did that you hope and pray you never do again? I mean, you, you had some awful choices. I bet the answer to that is yes and yes. There's some things, Rick, I did really, really well, and I want to do them again. But there are some things I did, and I just messed up, and I, I don't ever want to do that again. Listen, if you have messed up, if you have somewhat of a messy past or a little bit of a messy past or a massive mess, messy past, I, I want to I encourage you today. Look at what James says in James chapter 3. One of the writers of the Bible said, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Have you made many mistakes? You're in good company. For if we could control our tongues... We would be perfect and can also control ourselves in every other way. I say stupid things all of the time, let alone do stupid things. And you know what James said? We all do that. We all make many mistakes. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 3. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glory. I wonder how many of you listening to my message have struggled for years with past mistakes. How many of you have carried the burden of self-hatred and persecution because of some of those mistakes? Well, the truth is that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. All of us make many mistakes. But here's the issue. People are crucifying themselves on the cross, not of Christ, but on the cross of guilt. I can't move on. God can't use me. You don't know what I did. You don't know what I'm capable of. And we we can't move on. Here's what I would like to suggest that you do with your victories and failures from 2017 and even much further back. I want to encourage you to do something that you might find out. I want to encourage you to remember. I want you to remember it all. Remember the good, remember the bad, remember the right choices and the wrong choices. But instead of crucifying yourself on the cross of self-doubt, self-afflicted unforgiveness. I want you to allow those past memories to funnel you into the man or the woman that God wants you to be. Are there past sins that could cripple you if you let them? Let me say this. <clears throat> Maybe you can't forget. Maybe your sin is always before your eyes. Maybe some dumb things you did in the past. Maybe you did some horrible things and they were your fault. I, I, I heard a pastor one time say he was counseling with a guy who was crying. He had grandchildren, but he was crying because he never pushed his son on the swing when he was younger. And the pastor looked at him and said, why don't you stop worrying and regretting not pushing your son on the swing and start pushing your grandson on the swing? We, we let the past just crush us. It's like an anchor that holds us down. It keeps us from being useful. Maybe you can't forget, but perhaps it's time you stopped allowing the past to hinder you and started allowing it to release you. The Apostle Paul had a devastating past. It's what caused him to pen these words in 1 Timothy, chapter 1, 1 Timothy 1, 15. He said this, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of all. 
Now, I've heard pastors, I've heard pastors twist this and say, you know, he was such a righteous, great guy, and yet he's saying he was the worst sinner. How holy should you be? That wasn't Paul's intent at all if you read the entire Bible. Anyone who even has a little knowledge of the Bible knows who Paul was. God used him to pen, write 13 books of the New Testament from Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Timothy, uh, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. He, he did so much. His salvation experience was the fact that Jesus, after he had already ascended, spoke to him personally in Acts chapter 9. Jesus meets him on the road. He, he planted churches all around the Roman world, the Jewish world in the first century. He was so consumed with passion for the gospel that, that unbelievably in Romans chapter 9, he said, I would give up my salvation if it meant all of my Jewish brothers and sisters could be saved. Paul was one of the greatest heroes of the faith. But guess what? He wasn't always that way. When we first meet Paul... Uh, scripture describes him as a guy named Saul. It's the same guy, different name. God changes his name because his past was so bitter. But in this, in the, when we first meet him, his name is Saul. And here's how the Bible describes him before he meets Jesus. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, Paul, was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus asking for the cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there, any Christians, he wanted to arrest them. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. That's Paul. Well, why do you think he penned, I'm the chief of all sinners? The Bible says he was uttering threats. He was eager to kill. That's a pretty dark description of somebody, isn't it? He wasn't a good dude. He was violent and zealous. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. Listen, if I was Paul, I would really prefer that history left that part of my life out. But look what he writes about his own past in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was a priest. Then he hits us with verse 6. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I don't know about you, but I think I would have excluded the line, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. I don't, I don't mind saying things that make me look good from time to time, and I get to do that a lot because I'm the one sitting on the stage. But I usually admit the big sins in the mix. I don't say things often like, let me tell you what I said to my wife last night. I, I, I don't throw that in there. Paul was even there when the first Christian was martyred for his faith. There was this godly man named Stephen who was, who was talking to the Jewish people and saying, man, you, you, you crucified Jesus, but he loves you. In fact, the Bible describes in Acts 6, 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. This is a guy who loved Jesus and who was persecuted and killed for his faith. But look who was there. Acts chapter 7 verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists in rage at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. 
And he told them, so Stephen's about to be killed. He looks up into heaven. He sees God standing there personally waiting for him. And Stephen says, look, I see the heavens open. The son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Stephen said, I see where I'm going. Look at the people's reaction. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They didn't want to hear about Jesus. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Not only was Paul there, he was the guest of honor when the murder took place. He murdered a man just for loving Jesus. And Paul includes that memory in Philippians chapter 3. Why? Why? I, 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 I struggled with that. Look, there were many Christians in the movement at that time that didn't trust Paul even after he was converted to Christianity there, there were Jewish people that wanted him dead. There were Romans that wanted him dead. And there were Christians that wanted him dead. There were wives that would never see their husbands again because Paul had had them killed. There were children who would grow up without fathers because of Paul's rage at Christianity. And there were men and women in Jewish prisons because Paul had put them there during the persecution of Christians. And guess what? When Paul came to know Jesus, those people didn't come back to life on this earth. They didn't go back to their family. People were still in prison. I wonder if you hear struggle with some pretty huge mistakes from your past. Maybe mistakes that led to some big consequences, broken marriages, and guess what? It's your fault. Or devastated people in the wake of things you've done along the way. And maybe you find it difficult to forgive you because of others you have wounded. What's your great sin? What crucifies you over and over again? What drags you to the bottom of the ocean with an anchor around your neck? It's not natural to recount or remember or share share our past failures, but Paul seems so willing. And my question is, why? Well, allow me to suggest just a few reasons why I'm asking you and me to keep our past failures and our past victories before us. Number one, our past helps us realize our change. Our past helps us realize our change. Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians 5. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Uh, we don't really care what the, the people think anymore. We're not, we're not evaluating them from a people's standpoint. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And I love, I love this last line. And all of that is a gift from God. Maybe you remember when you didn't know Christ. I wonder how different life was then. Paul did not allow his past to hinder who he was. He allowed it he allowed it to release him. I think it might be better said that he released it. He let go. Do your past memories hinder you or if they do perhaps it's time to just let go. You know what? You can't go back and push your kid on a swing from 20 years ago. You know what? You can't go back and undo what you said that ended that marriage finally. You can't go back and unhurt who you hurt. 
I bet you repented of that. I bet you cried over that. But here's what you might need to do next. You might need to just simply let it go. You don't understand. I don't, but he does. I I, want to make a statement that I want you to think about tonight, today, for the rest of this year. If God... If God has forgiven you, has given you the gift of forgiveness, then you are indeed forgiven. That's so simple to say, isn't it? But if God has given you the gift of forgiveness, then you are indeed forgiven. So why are you laying awake at night? Why are you crying? Why are you letting all of that self-doubt roll in? Why are you saying, God can't use me? You know when God can't use you? When you tell him he can't. You know when he will use you? When you're in the midst of depravity and sin and you look at it and say, God, I'm so sorry. Tomorrow's a new day. Use me. He will use you. Only Satan and yourself accuses you, not God. Remember the good and the bad and then thank God that you can let it go and move on. Don't hide it the recess of your mind, allowing it to steal your joy. Our hidden memories kind of lurk around and strike just when you're feeling good, you're in a good place. They whisper things like, what are you doing? You have no right to serve God. You have no right to have joy. Crawl back into that self-pity and give up before these people know who you really are. Paul was a monster. Eager to kill, uttering Threats. Memories whisper about our past failures with a mixture of truth and self-inflicted lies and exaggeration. The perfect cocktail for depression. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you depressed. He doesn't want to use you. If you say, God, I'm just too evil. You can't use me. Then God says, I sure could use you, but you've got to be willing. If you know Jesus, then it's not who you are anymore. The Bible tells us who we really are in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. It doesn't matter whether you've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether you've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Paul said it doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter about your background. What matters is that you've been transformed into a new creation. If God has given you the gift of forgiveness, then you are indeed forgiven. Don't stop, or rather stop crucifying yourself again and again and again on the cross of regret, of self-inflicted pain. We're new people with new life. We're new creations and children of God. Step up in the morning and say, God, today's a brand new day. Use me. And he will. Please, please stop allowing your past to separate you from a God who is already forgiving you and washed it all away. Don't allow your past to hinder you anymore. Do I personally have regrets from the past? Yes, I do. Are there people I have hurt and things I have done wrong? Absolutely. Do I regret that? More than you know. I have mourned about that. I have cried about that. I have sought forgiveness about that. And guess what I have found? Forgiveness. 
One of Jesus' closest friends and disciples was a guy named John, and John penned these words in the Bible in 1 John chapter 1. He said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. God has forgiven you. It might be time that you forgave you. If you are saying God can't use me because, then that is a lie from the pit of hell. You can't walk up to me and say, you know why God can't use me, Rick? Why can't God use me? Because, so you're more powerful than God. Your sin has overcome the blood of Jesus. What height of arrogance. You and I are new creations in Christ and we are washed clean. And sometimes we must accept, simply accept his grace and move on. God, I screwed up and it's my fault. The marriage ended and it's my fault. That person is hurt and it's my fault. That person's life was ruined and it's my fault. And Father, I am so sorry and I've done all I can to fix it. But God, it's time for you to use me. I'm going to forgive myself. I have mourned it and I'm going to move on. You might be tempted to think, Rick, okay, but I've sinned since I came to know Jesus. Doesn't that separate me from his love? Allow, allow God's word to answer that for you. Romans chapter five, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now that, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus, what our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I don't see me doing a lot in there. I see Jesus restoring me. I see being saved through the blood of Christ, through the life of the Son, and now I'm allowed to rejoice. It's a free gift. Uh, my relationship is restored. And Paul's saying, dude, while you were a sinner, you were saved? How much more now that you're a child of God? Because once you accept Christ, once you say, Jesus, the best I know how, I believe you loved me and died on the cross to pay for my, my sins. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Once that's done, he does all the rest. If God has given you the gift of forgiveness, then you are indeed forgiven. You know what? There's another reason... Paul chose to remember his past. A reason why the alcoholic should not forget who he was or what he struggles with. The adulterer should keep his sin before his eyes. A reason the addict can use their story for the glory of God. Whatever your past, you need to remember because guess what? Our past, our past gives hope to others' future. Our past gives hope to others' future. Remember Paul's words in 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. There are people in jail because of me. There are people who are dead because of me. There are fatherless children because of me. I am the worst of all. But look at verse 16. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. There's almost too much to take in here. Paul said, then others will realize that they too can believe 
and receive eternal life. Life. Paul remembered his sins so he could witness to people just like him. Oh, you persecuted Christians? Oh, you hated Christianity? So did I. Let's go grab Starbucks and talk about it. How about your personal past? Oh, you struggle with alcoholism? So do I. Oh, you get up and fall down all the time? So do I. You had a marriage that ended badly and it was your fault? So did I. You struggled with anger? So do I. Oh, you... So do I, but let me tell you about a God who loves you and me anyway. Guys, I'm telling you, our past gives hope to other people's future. Yours and my forgiveness from God lets others know they can experience the same forgiveness. We hide it, we, 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 we stick it way down. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to remember it. We don't want people to know. We must be real and honest about our weaknesses so, so others can find the same forgiveness we found in Christ. I, I shared this with you guys. A few years ago, I suffered with terrible depression, suicidal depression. And, and, and about that time, you know, Patrick was one of my students, one of my former students. God's ultimate sense of humor is proved by giraffes and the fact that Patrick is now my boss. <laughs> really? Um, a couple years ago, really suffering from depression. And I would call Patrick, you know, he had called me over the years and I called him. I, he was returning to favor, man. He was talking with me. Well, we had a mutual friend who lived in California and I would go meet with this mutual friend. And this guy was just not being nice, wasn't being the same, wasn't treating me the way he used to. And I would call Patrick and I would say, I don't know what's up with this guy. Patrick, I think this guy's just being mean. I think he's angry at me. And Patrick's like, dude, come on. He's not that way. And I said, you know, I'm, he's, Patrick said, why don't you ask him? So next time I met with this guy, I said, what's going on? And here was his response. He said, I put you on a pedestal, man. You've always been there for me. You were my youth pastor. You were strong, and now you're weak, and I don't know how to handle it. Here, here's, here's what I said to him. I said, you know why Patrick and I are still friends and you and I aren't? Because a long time ago, he took me off the pedestal and just made me his friend. I don't want to be on your pedestal. Why don't you get me off the pedestal and just be my friend? Look, you're not going to find that garbage here at Crossroads Christian Church and nobody's going to push it on us. You know what you're going to find here? Honesty and integrity. You're going to find people who stand up and go, you have fights with your wife, I have fights with my wife. You know that we get slack when we say things like that? People don't want that. People want elevated people. We're not elevated people. We're people struggling with the same things that you struggle with. I want somebody to walk in off the street and go, wow. You struggle with that, so did I. Jesus can use you. He must be able to use me. Maybe it's time that all false humility was replaced with genuineness and honesty. Maybe if we took our self-righteous guard, look how holy I am down and just real and honest, maybe our neighbors would really come to Jesus. I don't walk in anybody's house, any coffee shop or any restaurant and look at somebody and go, dude, you are, you just are not worth the blood of Jesus. I walk in and go, man, I can relate to you. I'm not worth the blood of Jesus. You're not worth the blood of Jesus, but let's take it anyway. Time of false humility must be replaced by genuineness and honesty. 
You will not find that false garbage coming off of this stage. You will not find it in our lives. We're gonna be real and honest and lead as many people to Jesus as we can. You wanna know why we wanna build a bigger hallway for families to walk in? Because there are families out there that don't know Jesus. You know what families are concerned most about? Their children. We wanna walk in and go, dude, this place rocks. We're comfortable here. Give me, allow me once is just maybe just one more reason we should keep the good and the bad from our past in front of us. Our past keeps us from our pride. Our, our, I'm not a perfect person. I, 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 I am a person saved by a perfect God. Second Corinthians 5, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I, I'm not really in there. God made Christ who never sinned to be a sin offering for our sins so that we could be made with right with God through Christ. Our forgiveness, our salvation has never been based on how good we are or who we are. Christ did it all. I'm not saved because I'm amazing. I'm saved because he's amazing. Jesus Christ led a perfect sin. Why did he come to earth? Why did he lead a sinless life? Because there had to be a payment for sin. He was perfect, he was clean, he was righteous, he was right. He could go before the Father and say, I haven't done anything wrong, so I'll take all of their sins on me. Do you know that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Give yourself this present for 2018. If you do not know Jesus, today is the day. Lord, the best I know how, I believe you loved me and died on the cross to pay for my sins, and I want that payment. I have had people say, I'm, you don't know what I've done. God can't forgive me. Get over yourself. You are not so evil that the blood of Jesus cannot wash it all away. Sometimes we take ourselves a little too serious. Get over it. Press on, move on, accept Jesus, let it go. Get rid of the anchor. Stop crucifying yourself on the cross of self-afflicted unforgiveness. Romans chapter five says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, I believe, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, we've been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. Because of what Jesus did. Because of our faith, Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Let Let me read those words. Undeserved privilege. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Listen, I know Christmas is over, but 2018 hasn't come yet. And suppose you felt like you wanted to give me a brand new Mercedes. I might with my mouth say, dude, you do not have to do that, but I'm gonna reach for the keys with the other hand. I'm just being honest. Or Starbucks cards, I'm just throwing it out there. Patrick's gonna yell at me. Remember, he's my boss, really? You can say, Rick, I don't deserve forgiveness. No, you sure don't. Paul just said that. It's undeserved. I don't deserve to be used. No, you really don't. But, but you get it anyway. I, I don't deserve. No, you don't. Get over it. We get it. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. I used this example before and I'll use it again. I've gotten into Disneyland free all of my life because of a kid I baptized when he was 14 
I get into Disney World free all my life. You know what? I never walked into Disney World and looked around at all the people that paid and said, I don't deserve to be here. I went and rode Space Mountain. (laughs) I don't deserve to go to heaven. You sure don't, but by God, you get to. Isn't that awesome? So start enjoying it. Man, what if you just forgave yourself, got over all your self-absorbed, unforgiven garbage and just started enjoying Jesus and life? How awesome would 2018 and the rest of your life be? God's not keeping it in his mind. Maybe you can't forget. Okay, but you can forgive and move on. Don't allow your memories to hinder you from following the light. Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. You, you. Jesus entered the world with joy. The Bible says that night, the angels talked about a great joy. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I've come that they might have joy. God, there is joy in you, not bitterness, not self-hatred. That is all self-inflicted garbage. Wash all that garbage away, God. Wash it all away. God, we, we want to step down from our cross, our crucifixions of self-inflicted pain and unforgiveness. Step into the light and the love and the place that we don't deserve to be, but by gosh, we get to be there. We love you and worship and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.